Dear friend, I'm Dr. David Jeremiah, and I'd like to take a moment to speak with you as the world faces the coronavirus pandemic. There is no question we are living in a time of unprecedented uncertainty. It is unlike anything I have experienced in my whole life. And the temptation in times like these is to allow fear and worry to creep into our thoughts and to rob us of our joy. But in these uncertain times, we need to remember that God is still in control. And my prayer for you is that you are healthy, you're in a safe place and surrounded by those you love. Please keep the ministry of Turning Point in your prayers as well. We will continue to bring the healing power of God's Word to you each day on radio, television, and online. And I really hope this will be a source of encouragement to you during the current coronavirus. So be safe, be in the Word, and be in prayer. A good teacher will inform and inspire you. A master teacher will do much more than that. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah takes a closer look at Jesus. Known throughout Israel as a gifted teacher over 2,000 years ago, and who continues to teach his followers today. Here's David to introduce the conclusion of his message, Is He the Teacher of Truth, or the Truth to be Taught? And we thank you for joining us. This is one of the chapters of a brand new book called The Jesus You May Not Know. Uh, the book has never been offered before. It's brand new, just off the press. It's from Turning Point Publications. It's a hardback, 250-plus page book, 10 chapters, answering questions like the ones we're dealing with uh, in these days. Is he the teacher of truth, or is he the truth to be taught? When we meet together tomorrow, we're going to talk about this one. Is he seeking us, or are we seeking him? Here's my favorite of the whole series. On Friday, is he praying for us, or are we praying to him? These questions and these chapters are meant to spur your thinking and drive you deeper into your understanding and knowledge of who Jesus really is and the ministry he has in your life and mine as we walk with him each day. We'll continue our discussion of, is he the teacher of truth or the truth to be taught? But first of all, let me just remind you, you can get this brand new book. I've been teasing you a little bit about it because it's my wife's color. The book is purple, and uh, it's beautifully uh, it's beautifully adorned, and you'll love the book. You'll, you'll want to keep it on your coffee table so people will ask you about it. And yet the beauty of it isn't in the cover, although that's important. The beauty is in the message. And this is a book that's entirely about Jesus Christ, who he is, what he's doing today, how he touches your life and mine. I want you to have this book. Here's how you can get your copy right away. Just simply sit down and decide to send a gift to us and send a gift of any size to Turning Point. Now, friends, we're in the midst of a crisis, as you know, so whatever you can do to help us is important. We don't want to ask you to do anything that will will not be able to be done by you. you. The Bible tells us we're to give as we're able. But if God has enabled you to do it, we want to encourage you to do it. and Send the best gift you can. And whatever that gift is, when we receive it, if you ask for this book, we'll send it to you. That's all you have to do. Just say, send me the book. It's a 250-page, hardback, beautiful book filled with incredible truth about our wonderful Lord Jesus Christ. It's yours for the asking just this month when you send a gift to Turning Point. Well, it's time to get back to our lesson. This is part two of Is He the Teacher of Truth? 
or the truth to be taught. I do not have the authority to change the meaning of the Bible. My job is to find out what the Bible really means, what it really says, and then help us all understand what that means to us. Count me among those who will stand and shout that Jesus is the truth, that Jesus is the author of truth. Jesus is the communication of truth. If Jesus Christ is the incarnation of truth, we can have a personal relationship with the incarnation of the truth. We can not only know Jesus, we can know truth. The truth is absolute, it's objective, but it's also personal and knowable. That's why Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Because this truth is a person, you can know him, and because he is Jesus, he can set you free. Nothing more liberating than the truth, no matter how hard it is. How many times I thought about this during my bout with cancer, when I would take a test on a Monday and be told that I couldn't get the answer back for 10 days. And all during that time, I would say to myself, whatever it is, is immaterial. I just want to know what it is. I want the truth. And today in our culture, the greatest need we have is for truth. For honest reporting, for honest speaking, for honest living. The Bible says there's one who can give us that truth, that way, that life, and that one is Jesus Christ. You will never have a true moment of truth until you meet the truth himself, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Jesus, the truth. The question is, is he the teacher of the truth or is he the truth itself? He is the truth itself, but he's also the teacher of truth. Oh, what we can learn about Jesus as we study his teaching. Jesus, the truth, and Jesus, the teacher. At St. Francis High School in Long Canada, California, math teacher Jim O'Connor is known for his tough, no-nonsense approaching to algebra, pushing his students, all of them boys, into shape. O'Connor is a Vietnam vet. He told CBS, it drives me crazy when people say school should be fun. I mean, it's nice if it could be, but you can't make school fun. Pat McGoldrick, a senior at St. Francis, says it this way. Until people get used to him, they think he's really mean. But all that changed for Pat one day when he and his classmates visited Los Angeles Children's Hospital to recruit blood donors for a blood drive they were organizing. When the boys mentioned where they went to school, they were immediately met with awe. The hospital staff said things like, oh, so you must know Jim O'Connor. Isn't he wonderful? And the boys were stunned. They didn't think he was all that wonderful. They thought he was mean. As if they were being honest and a little confused about the man they thought they knew, that confusion was cleared up when they saw a plaque in the hospital for all-time donors, and at the top of the list was Jim O'Connor, a universal blood donor, type O negative, O'Connor has donated 72 gallons of blood and platelets since 1989, surely saving countless lives along the way. But there was more. The boys learned that day that Jim O'Connor, who never married or had children of his own, volunteers three days a week holding and rocking sick and dying babies 
when their parents can't be there. O'Connor says of the babies, I don't want to see them alone. I can't do that. O'Connor's students were blown away. I mean, I've always respected him, said Pat, but now it's to an even different degree. Now I not only respect him, I want to be like him. The most effective teachers in life are those who model the truth that they teach and challenge their students to grow beyond what they think are their possibilities. And that was true of Jesus, was it not? He influenced his disciples not only by what he said, but by how he lived and by the curriculum he taught. He had a vision of what disciples could be, and he gave his life to teaching them what would that look like in you. We don't have time to unpack all the essentials of his message. I want to share with you just three ways that Jesus' teaching not only affected those who heard it when he walked on this earth, but how it affects us today as well as followers of Jesus. First of all, when Jesus taught his teaching challenged people, and his teaching will challenge you. The Jesus you may not know was a teacher who constantly challenged people. He challenged their priorities, their potential, their possibilities. For example, Jesus challenged the rich young ruler's priorities. Remember what he said to him? He said, go and sell everything you have and then come back and follow me. Well, he didn't really care whether the man sold everything he had or not. Here's what the problem was. This man didn't have his wealth. His wealth had him. And Jesus wanted to find out if he was willing to walk away from that in order to put Jesus first in his life. Jesus also sent out his disciples to accomplish things that seemed beyond their potential. Things like feeding 5,000 people, healing the sick, and most of all, casting out demons. And remember, they failed. They came back and they said, Lord, what do we do now? It didn't work. And it was a teaching moment for Jesus and his young men. And when Jesus gave the Great Commission, it was physically impossible for them to complete it. But he used it to expand the vision and get them started planting churches around the world. And we're still following that teaching and still feeling the impossibility of it all. But because of the teaching of Jesus, we continue to take the gospel to the whole world. Perhaps the most challenging part of the teaching of Jesus, and the most famous, by the way, is found in Matthew 5 through 7. This is what we know as the Sermon on the Mount. These chapters prove that Jesus was more than a carpenter, more than a preacher, and more than a mere man. From his first word, he spoke as if he were the author and interpreter of Scripture. His words and their tone amazed the crowds as they astound us today. And in the Sermon of the Mount, we have a set of ethics that has never been bettered, a set of images that have never been forgotten, and a set of instructions so relevant and challenging for us today as if they were written just for us. There are 107 verses in the Sermon on the Mount. And here we have, now listen to this, in the Sermon on the Mount, we have this. The Beatitudes, the Lord's Prayer, the Golden Rule, the City on a Hill, the Salt of the Earth, the Narrow Gate, and the Wise Man who Built His House Upon a Rock. Here in this sermon, we discover the eternal dimensions of morality and spirituality, and we discover how to deal with anger and lust and divorce and retaliation and anxiety and oaths and hypocrisy. All of those are taught in the Sermon on the Mount, and we know what to do when we read them. In Matthew 5 through 7, we have the greatest advice ever given. 
in the greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest man who ever lived. The Sermon on the Mount provides evidence for the truthfulness of Christ in Christianity. For if Jesus were any less than he claimed, his message would have been less than it was. How otherwise do we explain that here we are over 2,000 years later talking about a sermon that was preached by a man outside on a mountain to a group of people who don't have anything to do with us or our culture today. That sermon is still the greatest sermon from the greatest preacher who ever lived. And it is also regarded as one of the most famous speeches in world history and the greatest message on practical ethics and moral psychology that has ever been delivered by anyone. The secularists say that, not religious people. This great sermon, which was preached in Matthew 5 through 7, was only the beginning of our Lord's instructional ministry. But for the sake of time, let me just give you a few little tidbits of what he said just in the verses. This is some of what Jesus taught in his great sermon. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Matthew 5, 44. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Matthew 6, 6. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. Matthew 6, 20. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Matthew 6, 25. Do not worry about your life. Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Matthew 6, 34, do not worry about tomorrow. Jesus said that in his great sermon. And Matthew 7, 12, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Can you imagine having that kind of incredible truth packed into one sermon given by one person at a specific time and place in history? Herbert Taylor was a Chicago business leader who salvaged a nearly bankrupt company called Club Aluminum. In time, Taylor made a small fortune and invested most of it in Christian causes. He was a deep and dedicated Christian, and he became the major financial backer for many of the great student ministries that shaped the last half of the 20th century. Once during an illness, Taylor felt God wanted him to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. And while bedridden, he did it. While he couldn't do anything else, he couldn't work, he used his time while he was sick to memorize the Sermon on the Mount, 107 verses. And he recited the Sermon on the Mount to himself every day. And those who knew him said his life increasingly began to take on the truths which Jesus spoke. So let me make a suggestion to all of us. No, I'm not going to ask you to memorize the Sermon on the Mount. Memorization for most of us is like, you want me to do what? Take a few minutes, though, in the next few days, perhaps during your daily Bible reading time, and just work your way through Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Use a colored pencil to highlight any command you find there. Make a list of them on a tablet. Choose one of those things you read that strikes you in a special way, and ask the Lord to pump that into your bloodstream until the obedience of your life reflects the truth that came from the lips of our Lord.
you will never have a more interesting experiment than to experiment on the Sermon on the Mount and learn the truth that is there and apply it to your life. Number two, his teaching will challenge you and his teaching will change you. Jesus' teaching inspires us to change, to be different, to be better. When we read about his life and study his words, we want to be more like him, the perfect picture of what it means to be a holy, healthy human being. Only one person ever successfully lived the Christian life, and that was Christ himself. When he returned to heaven, he sent his spirit to live within us so that his spirit could form the personality of Jesus in our hearts. And that's why you read in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, but we all with unveiled faces behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, and we are being transformed, we're being changed into the same image from glory to glory as by the Spirit of the Lord. In other words, Paul told the Corinthians, when God brought Jesus back to heaven, Jesus sent his Holy Spirit down here. And when you accept Jesus as your Savior, his Holy Spirit comes to live within your heart. And one of the things the Holy Spirit does, one of his key jobs, one of his ministries, is to convict us of sin and to help us to grow into the likeness of who Jesus is. Not that we become religious weirdos, but that we just become the quiet people of God who live out the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ in our life. And as we notice him doing that, as that begins to happen in our hearts, we are often surprised by ourselves because we ourselves are not ourselves. We are surprised because we see the Lord Jesus doing things in us that we never dreamed we would ever do. And we stop and say, where did that come from? In other words, as we keep our eyes on Jesus, the Holy Spirit transforms us into the very person that Jesus himself is. We become more like Jesus. Romans 8, 29 says, God has chosen us to be conformed to the image of his Son. And Ephesians 4, 15 tells us to grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. As we grow up in Christ, our lives become more intrinsically truthful, for we are becoming like the one of whom we speak. Could I just stop for a moment and say, that in the world, you can have a job, and unless you do something really, really bad, what you do on your own time will never become an issue. In fact, in many places, you can go to work eight to five or whatever the hours are and live like a demon outside of that time. Nobody finds out, nobody cares, makes no difference at all. But that is not true if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian and you name the name of Christ, and you claim him to be your savior, somewhere along the way, it has to start making a difference in the way that you live. You cannot live like you never met Christ and then come to church on Sunday and say, oh yes, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. You know, one of the things we have here is a school district. We have some of the greatest teachers you'll ever meet in your life, teachers that are truly making a difference in the lives of the kids who sit under their ministry. I've had Four children and now all kinds of grandchildren go through this system. I'm so grateful. We ask the people who teach here to sign a lifestyle agreement that basically deals with some things that are a part of our culture today that don't belong in the life of a person who's teaching children. 
We want men and women here who not only teach the truth, but live the truth. And we aren't going to be perfect. We all know that. We make mistakes. But if we're out in the world living as if Christ did not exist in our heart, we are actually doing more damage to our students than if we didn't teach at all. For the worst thing that can happen is to say with your mouth, this is who Jesus is, and then to live your life in such a way that you deny everything that you said. If you don't believe what you teach, you shouldn't teach. Teaching is not a career. It's a calling. We don't expect you to be perfect because we're not perfect. But we do expect you to live for Jesus. Because if you don't live for Jesus, you can't ever persuade your students to live for Jesus either. And teaching is not just about more information. Teaching is about a life that changes. Finally, his teaching will challenge you, his teaching will change you, and his teaching will cheer you up. It will cheer you. I love to read the words of Jesus. One time his disciples had gotten wind of the fact that he was going back to heaven. They didn't know what that all meant, but they'd been with him for three years and they loved him. And so they started asking him questions, and here's what Jesus said. He said, guys, just cool it. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I love that passage of Scripture, because I can get into what the disciples were feeling. Jesus is leaving? He's not going to be here anymore? He's going to another world? What are we going to do? Jesus stepped right into that moment of despair with his comforting words. It was Jesus who said, let not your heart be troubled. It was also Jesus who said, peace be still. And it was our Lord who reassured us, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all of these things. Jesus was a teacher. All of us, we're teaching somebody, aren't we? Whether we're just as parents, we're teaching our children. Current teacher, you teach in our Sunday school. You'll never find a better model for what it means to be a true teacher than to go to the teacher himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, and discover how committed he was, not just to communicating truth, but to changing lives. Here's what I know, men and women. You can't walk with Jesus the way you're supposed to walk with Jesus and not be changed. Jesus will change you. So, Let me tell you what you need to do. It's real easy. How many of you know that in many Bibles, maybe you have one, maybe I should just, how many of you have a red letter edition of the Bible? Let me see your hands. Oh, so many of you. Now, you know what that means is, in that Bible, in the New Testament, you have all of the words of Jesus in red, right? Can I tell you something that's way better than a red letter edition of the Bible? It's an R-E-A-D Bible. (laughs) You got it? It's more important to have an R-E-A-D Bible than an R-E-D Bible. Amen? So if you want to grow in your faith, don't go buy a red-letter Bible. Go get a Bible and read it. And if it's red letters, that's great, but read it. The greatest resource we have is this book, and it's the most neglected resource for all of us, if we're honest. The devil has done a huge task on many of us to push the Bible to the circumference of our lives. 
so that it cannot make an impact on us. My challenge to us all is, we have this book, and it's primarily a book about Jesus. And when you read this book, it makes you different, and it makes you better, and it makes you the person you really want to be. I pray that for all of us today. Amen. Well, you know, friends, during this time uh, when just about everything has been shut down and churches have been closed and uh, you would wonder what, what happens during this time, I need to tell you um, that I've never seen anything like what God has been doing in the church, in Turning Point, in the lives of people. This pandemic has gotten our attention and... Um, I mentioned to you the other day that in recent service we held on the weekend at uh, Shadow Mountain online, 130 people responded to receive Christ at the end of the services. I've never seen that before. Uh, In good times, when things are going well, those things just normally don't happen. But God is using His Word. He's using the teaching of the Scripture. He's using our evangelistic thrust to bring many to Himself. And some of you are like that. Maybe you're like that today. You have never trusted Christ, but you know there's an emptiness in your life. Why don't you take a moment right now and get that right? Ask Jesus Christ to come and live within you, to forgive your sin and give you new life. You do that through a prayer. All you do is pray and ask him. Repent of your sin. Ask Jesus Christ to come and be your Savior. And I want to tell you something encouraging. The Bible says he never turns anyone away, and he never has, and you won't be the first one. So come with your prayer, come with your open heart, come with your sin, ask Jesus to forgive you, and become a Christian. We'll see you right here tomorrow. The message you just heard originated at Shadow Mountain Community Church with Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Share with us the difference Turning Point is making in your life. Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 70509, RPO Oak Street, Vancouver, B.C., B6M 0A3. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's new book, The Jesus You May Not Know. It's written to give you a deeper intimacy with Christ and it's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard Version as well as the New International Version and in standard or large print in the New King James, all with helpful notes and articles by Dr. Jeremiah. Contact us today. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series, The Jesus You May Not Know, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. If you enjoy listening to Turning Point with David Jeremiah, you'll be happy to hear that there is now a daily Turning Point television broadcast that you can watch each weekday. Tune in to Faith TV, Joy TV, or Miracle Channel Monday through Friday to watch the Turning Point daily television broadcast. Be sure to check your local listings for the channel and time in your area. Or visit davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV to download a program schedule or watch at your convenience. That website again is davidjeremiah.ca forward slash TV. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? The Jeremiah Legacy Society from Turning Point was created for friends of the ministry who feel called to partner with Dr. David Jeremiah to deliver the unchanging Word of God to future generations. We can ensure that the impact we have reaches beyond our days here on earth. 
Visit our website at davidjeremiahgift.org to learn more about how you can be a part of the Jeremiah Legacy Society. If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca.